You're listening to Faith-Based Mental Health, a weekly podcast designed to bridge the gap between spirituality and psychology. Welcome to Faith-Based Mental Health. I am your host, Pastor Colt Wagner, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Ron. How are you today, Dr. Ron? Aloha. I am blessed beyond all measure. I just relocated from Hawaii to the beautiful state of Kentucky, and we are loving it. I get asked two questions in Kentucky. The first one is, why did you move here from Hawaii? And then inevitably the second one, and how do you feel about bourbon? I don't really have an answer for either of those questions, but everybody wants to know those two questions. Why bourbon, of all things? Oh, okay. Uh, Apparently, Kentucky is the bourbon capital of the world. Okay. I had no... Yeah, yeah. Horse horse racing and bourbon. So there'll be a lot of counseling opportunities for people struggling with alcohol addiction. Facts. (laughs) Shout out to anybody living in Kentucky. We love you guys. Especially named Bob with Danny yeah. backs. <laughs> oh, man, we can't forget about Bob. Yeah, we really, man, yeah, we tore that guy up. Sorry, Bob. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's going good so far? So far, so good. Yeah, we're loving it here and just looking for more opportunities to continue to help people and, and serve the community now that we're in. Yeah, it's a blessing. Awesome. Awesome. I haven't been through any huge moves like you have recently, but this past weekend, my wife and I did go to this really cool ropes course in Charleston, South Carolina, because of course we're in South Carolina, but anyone living in Charleston area, I suggest you try it. It's called Wild Blue Ropes. It was awesome. Not, Not sponsored. sponsored. Yeah, yeah, just throwing it out there though. <laughs> it's worth, I mean, I'm telling you, it's worth going. But if you have a fear of heights, you'll be challenging that for sure. It's, man, it's wild, but it was a good time. So yeah. And then my wife's afraid of heights, so she's struggling, but she did a good job. So it's a good time. That is fantastic. We were just finishing up our series on relationships. And known fact, if you take your wife to something that makes her very afraid, the same chemicals are released that are released when people are in, in love. And so the goose pimples that people experience while dangling from a rope. If you do it with someone who you care about, it can be actually quite romantic and uh, intoxicating in a way. Oh yeah, that's a hundred percent. There was a lot of flirting and, and we'll just leave it at that. Afterward, it was a great date night. And yeah, man, if I would have known this, I would have used this kind of stuff when like we first started dating. Better to do that than dinner in a movie. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Secrets, secrets of the trade. You're welcome to whoever's listening. So like you said, we did just finish up a a lot of episodes on relationships and we covered several aspects of relationships. I want to kind of transition on to something a little different now. I'm sure that we'll have future episodes where we do delve back into some things about relationships. But for today, I want to jump into another topic that I think is extremely relevant to probably most people at some point in your life. Uh, And that is the topic of depression. Uh, We won't, hopefully this conversation won't be depressing, but I do think it's worth us covering uh, depression. So to start with Dr. Ron, what is depression? Depression is, that's a great question. (laughs) 
<laughs> Every one of us has an idea of what we think depression is. And that's okay because what's depressing for me is maybe not necessarily depressing for you. But depressing, depression, depressing, <laughs> I'm depressing the record button here. Depression is is something that like it's feelings of severe despondency and dejection. So self-doubt, it creeps in and that swiftly turns into depression. It's a big, it's a bit different than sadness and certainly different than grief, which I don't know how, if I had a dollar for every time I said, oh, we'll do another episode about that, but we'll do another episode (laughs) about that. Grief is this thing that incorporates depression into it. So there is an aspect of grief that involves being appropriately sad, but depression is it's kind of defining depression is almost a little bit like nailing jello to the wall because it's more than sadness. Yeah, but it's something you wear. It's definitely something physiological as well as emotional. And we'll I'll get into that in a minute. But the reason why I mentioned that is I've had more success treating depression from the physiological standpoint and then the moods follow than I have traditional therapy, which focuses on the moods first. Okay. And Uh, interpretation real quick, because you say you've had more success helping people who are depressed from a physiological standpoint. What do you mean by that exactly? Altering the chemicals within their brain, specifically treating depression from an energy management standpoint, treating the physical symptoms of depression, and then the emotive symptoms tend to follow. I've had more success, and it could just be my counseling style, but to discount the physical part of depression would certainly be a big mistake. Depression is something you wear like a heavy shawl or like a blanket that sometimes can be smothering. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. What you meant by depression is something you wear. And by that, it, you just said you, you literally wear it like a blanket. But do you also mean that it's something, does that also speak to the way people can see it on an external? That, th- yes and no. <laughs> I feel like this is going to be the theme of this episode, the yes and no. <laughs> Here's an interesting fact. The vast majority of successful stand-up comedians struggle with depression. Mm, aside, do you think Robin Williams struggled with depression? I've never looked into it. Struggled with depression before his suicide? 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's something there's something about that. It's not always evident even though it is a physical issue, it's not always evident unless you know what you're looking for. And also, unless you're very close to the person and you're willing to actually take the time to know the real person and not just the projection of the person that they feel compelled to show case to the world. Mm. Man, I guess that's why people say you never know what someone else is going through and try to treat everyone with love and grace because you don't just because you see them and you work with them or whatever, you don't really know how things are going for them. Yeah. So some of the, so speak, staying with the physical side of it, some of the things that we're looking for are physical symptoms that don't respond to other treatments, headaches, digestive disorders, 
pain for which no other cause can be diagnosed. You have people who physically are often restless and irritable, fidgety, or the opposite, lethargic. You also have insomnia. You have issues with early morning awakening or not being able to get out of bed at all. Uh, all of these are physical parts that point to depression, your energy fatigue, feeling slowed down, feeling like you're living your life as if you're walking through quicksand. It, it takes a toll on the mind. You have difficulty concentrating, remembering, making decisions in the moment. You tend to have either low appetite where they're just too tired to eat, could care less, or the opposite, overeating, rushing to a, the dopamine that comes from a quick sugar fix. And so you can see in a depressed person sometimes rapid weight loss, it's a rapid weight gain. These all point to depression as being a physical thing. And why that's really important to me, and I, I'm going to stand up on a soapbox and just shout this from a rooftop because I'm extremely passionate about this. If you broke your arm, that's a physical thing, right? And especially if it's dangling, right? <laughs> you can see the bone sticking out. How many of us would just not go to the hospital? Would be like, oh, whatever. I not don't need to treat. Not a chance. And yet depression is the same in, in terms of the impact. It can kill you. Mm. And yet some somehow people have this concept that they don't need to go get it treated. They don't need to fix it. They don't need to work on it in a similar way in which they would work on other physical things. And it just drives me bananas. Absolutely. I think it's not taken seriously enough. I think I, I'm a novice in this area compared to you, but I do feel like people are beginning to take it more seriously. I think it, 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 this is an overall statement, but in an overall sense, people, especially my age and younger, are really beginning to take mental health in general a whole lot more seriously. And with that, we're taking things like depression more seriously. Yeah, we do not have a ch choice in the matter. For the first time in our nation's history, guns are the number one killer of teenagers. It used to wow. be accidents. And now it's guns. And mm. you, there's been a lot of debate, and I'm not going to wade into the politics of gun control. I have lived in Europe. I've lived in all kinds of places where they have different differing policies. And I'm not trying to isolate anyone or point anything out. But if you actually look at deaths by guns, the overwhelmingly the mass the, the majority are self-inflicted. Mm. We put a lot of concentration and a lot of effort in reducing mass shootings, and we really need to do that. But I am not hearing the same outcry over suicides. Yeah. And yet suicides, they make uh, mass shootings look like hardly anything because there's so when many you look at the numbers. Yeah, when you break it down by the numbers. And so we don't have a choice, guys. We're losing some of the best and the brightest. So we really need to get serious about the, con the concept of depression. Yeah, man. And that's part, again, that just comes back to part of the reason that you and I are here right now having this conversation. Um, and so, so with that, I wanted to ask the question because we're talking about how it's not taken seriously enough, uh, although it is starting to. Um, let's talk about the fact that 
there's a bit of a stigma around depression and around being depressed. Like if, you know, I work in an office or whatever, and I'm feeling depressed, I may not want anyone to know that because I, maybe I think my boss is going to fire me or that he's going to think I'm not a good employee, he or she's going to think I'm not a good employee because I'm depressed. Just wondering what your thoughts are on the stigma surrounding that and just why that should or shouldn't be. Okay. First of all, there should not be a stigma. And there's many reasons for it. You mentioned workplace issues. Since this is faith-based mental health, let me speak to my own for a minute. Um, I have sat in way too many sanctuaries where the preacher takes the pulpit and says, if you're a Christian, you have no right to be depressed. Mm. Christians should not be depressed because you're a child of the God, uh, of God and you should not be depressed. I don't know if... I know Jesus shed tears. I know he went away to lonely places. I'd imagine taking a look at the condition of the world today, he'd be quite sad about it. I don't know if he meets the clinical (laughs) diagnosis of depression, but I want to speak to these pastors and say, I don't think you're taking into account the whole of scripture for one. And for two, they are creating an environment where people feel compelled to suffer in silence. Hmm. Because it's like, I don't want to be misjudged or or labeled weak or not a good enough Christian because I'm struggling in this way. Yeah, as if somehow that means that your faith isn't strong enough and you just need to have more faith in God. That's definitely... Yeah, by the way, just to the listener, Dr. Ron says he's heard pastors say that he has not heard me preach that. I just want to be clear. I would not, have not, and, and definitely will not. There's a lot more to it than that. And you mentioned Jesus. I I definitely wouldn't go so far as to say that I think he ever was, although who knows. But man, you look at the way some of the disciples were, the apostles, (laughs) I would bet some of them had faced depression at times. John on the island of Patmos toward the end of his life, if he never faced depression during that, I'd be shocked. Yeah. So I don't get it. I've even heard well-meaning motivational speakers, meaning social workers and pop psychologists, if you will, who say depression is selfishness. It's raw human selfishness because it's saying that I deserve to be happy. And the secret to overcoming depression is to just get out of your own head space. I don't know about that. So I get it. I get it why there's a stigma because there's we are reinforcing it over and over again in our culture. But you asked why should that not be the case? And I'll tell you this. I love depressed people. <laughs> I run toward them instead of running away from them. And the reason why is because they have a tendency to view the world in a different lens than the average human being. And if you look at the most creative forces throughout our history, and if you really dive into their psychology, the vast majority of them are dealing with some kind of manic depressiveness. You you take Kanye West, for example. Okay, we're not endorsing him, although I got to tell you, some of his Sunday's music, he wrote this song about Chick-fil-A. That's awesome. I love Chick-fil-A. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so he released Donda. The, uh, named after, I, I, I guess, his mom. And he released it in a stadium and he didn't like the quality of it. 
and it made him depressed, so to speak. And then he entered into a, a state of mania where he rented a room in that same stadium and he stayed up for seven days straight. And out comes this beauty is in the eye of beholder. So you could say, some might say masterpiece at the end of it all. And what happened in his life is very soon after, almost immediately after, he checked himself into a mental health rehab facility. Mm. So without depression, you don't get Donda. Right. For every I have a dream, if you look at Martin Luther King Jr.'s speeches, for every I have a dream, there is a recorded self-loathing because the he was being recorded. I, you've really got to listen to the recorded works of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And he was being wiretapped by the feds at the later part of his life. And there were periods, I'm telling you, look into this. There were periods of deep self-loathing and depression. He had some impulse control issues in his life, but with without the depression, I don't think you get I Have a Dream. Wow. Uh, you know, if you're on the subject of Luther, you can watch the movie Luther. <laughs> We're talking about the OG, original Martin Luther. And he struggled with his own inner demons, his own feelings of not being adequate enough and I got to say that it's probably some of those feelings that fueled the 95 thesis from which we get the whole of Protestantism. Yeah. So we shouldn't run from depression. No, we should run toward people who are depressed and give them the tools to create the Dondas, to create the I Have a Dreams in, in a way that these other geniuses really have been able to thrive and succeed. So if you're out there listening to this right now, and you're someone who struggles with depression. I'm not saying I, I want you to have that. <laughs> I want to take that away from you. I don't want you to be depressed. But I, the message that I have for you is you are valuable just the way you are. There's something about you that the world needs and is unique. And if you can tap into that, then all of us will be better for it. Man, that's awesome. I, I can't say that any more adequately. The only thing I was going to add is just a disclaimer that we're not recommending that anyone goes and seeks out depression. Beauty can come from it. And that's the Bible tells us that God works everything together for the good of those who love him. And I just feel, and I don't know, some scholars listening right now and he's like, you're not going in context. I don't know. But I feel like that could be easily just an example of that. And so just having faith and believing that God can use it, can still use you, even depressed you. Yeah. I, it, to me, it's a butterfly coming out of the cocoon. You have to struggle to get the membrane off. The caterpillar, when he goes into the cocoon, he's covered in a membrane that if he doesn't struggle against that cocoon to pull that membrane off, then he or she won't be able to fly as high as they need to go, won't have that beautiful effect. And so, yeah, for those people who are going through tough times, <laughs> look for the backside of that. Look for what is God What is God maybe trying to do through me in this? I think James put it, count it pure joy when you suffer. <laughs> because yeah. you know that suffering produces perseverance. And I've found that to be true in my life with running. <laughs> the more I suffer, <laughs> the longer I can go. Yeah. Suffering produces perseverance, and then perseverance then brings about the outcome that we're looking for in life. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so there are some positives that can come out of this quite easily. Again, at the same time, we're not saying don't seek help for your depression. By all means, I'm sure that Dr. Ron, you've counseled people before who came to you with one of their chief complaints being their depression is something we should seek help for, but it can be good as well. Yeah. And if I can speak to that for a moment, by way of almost bringing us to a conclusion here, and we'll speak more and more about the treatment methods, but I think it's important to be able to identify how do I know that what I have is depression as opposed to just a general appropriate sadness. You have Mm. situational depression or versus clinical depression. And so I wanted to put some tools into the hands of the readers. They, as of the recording of this podcast, they are not, excuse me, this episode, they're not on the website yet. And that's because I'm just not sure copyright issues and stuff, <laughs> but they're there to, to Google and one industry standard for self-reporting. So you got two different types of assessments. So you have clinical assessments that are given to you by the therapist. And then you have assessments that are standardized in nature, but are designed to be self-assessments. And so one of the industry standard self-assessments for depression is called the BECKS, B-E-C-K, the BECKS Depression Inventory. My wife's name is Rebecca Young. (laughs) <laughs> Y'all have met her. <laughs> Which is, is, is pretty interesting. And uh, yeah, not to say that she causes depression, but it is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's named after the, the guy who, who created it, a famous guy. His last name is Beck. <laughs> but, but some people call Rebecca Beck. But yeah, yeah, the Beck's depression inventory, it's 21 questions generally. And it basically, you take it just like you would take any kind of survey at the back of Cosmo magazine. Not that I've read Cosmo magazine, but I've heard their <laughs> surveys. <laughs> Not endorsed. Not endorsed. <laughs> But you take it and it gives you a number and then you look down and you see where your number falls. And there are various categories. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but the basic gist of it is zero through four or five is no depression. And then it goes from there to mild, moderate, or severe. Um, So here's my recommendation on it. If you're taking the assessment and... You have no depression. Congratulations. (laughs) If you have mild depression, you probably want to start paying attention to what helps. And we'll get into that in a moment. Take advantage of some of the self-help tips that are out there and books. And at some point within the mild category, you may begin to think about what it could be like to talk to a life coach or a pastor. Once you get into the moderate range, though, you're probably going to need some help. And there's physiological reasons for that. You're probably going to need some help with the depression. So you might need to look up a therapist. And once you're in the severe range, this is when it becomes clinical and then it becomes almost medical. uh, In the severe range is when we start talking about what could it look like to be on short-term medication, for example. So Beck's depression inventory, I encourage you to Google it. Even if you don't need it for yourself, you might be able to help somebody out. And, and if after taking that inventory, you realize that 
man, you're in a, a space on that. You're in a level that it makes sense to, to get some help. Then, of course, remember that we are there for you at serenitycarecounseling.com. And, and we'd love to be a resource for you, whether that's speaking to a life coach or, or speaking to a, a counselor. We want to be there to help you out. And Dr. Ron just gave you the breakdown as far as which one you might need, depending on where you fall on that. So there you go. And I'll make sure to mention, of course, this Beck's Depression Inventory in the show notes as well, so you don't forget, listener. Because again, we're here to put tools in your toolbox. That's why we do this. Well, Dr. Ron, with that said, I think we're ready to bring this to a close. I always want to give you the opportunity, so I'll just ask, are there any final closing thoughts on depression? Or And, and let me, before I say that, I'll just say, I don't believe this is our last episode on depression. We'll probably have a little bit more to talk about. So there'll be, I'm sure, one or two more of these things. But are there any final closing thoughts for today's episode on depression? Yeah, something that I didn't mention before uh, about depression that I think is worth mentioning in closing is that uh, people who are depressed have a tendency to self-isolate and feel like they're the oddball out. So I want everyone who's listening to be aware that depression is specifically adjustment disorder is like a mild form of depression. You don't have to know what that means, but it's one of the most common, if, the, if not the most common diagnosed mental health disorder. And I think that everyone experiences depression from time to time. And then there are other people who live with depression. But what I really want people to know is that they're not alone that there are millions just like you and you all have value and worth. And I can't wait to discover the beautiful things that you are going to create. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that encouragement. We all struggle at times with one thing or another. And, and if listener, if you're out there struggling with depression, like Dr. Ron said, you're not alone. There, there are a lot of people who go through that and there, there is light at the end of the tunnel. There will be good days ahead. There's no question. Absolutely. Dr. Ron, thank you so much for all this great insight and wisdom and for the, the mention of this Beck's depression inventory, that tool in our toolbox. Looking forward to next time. Thank you listener for being here. Looking forward to seeing you next time. God bless. Aloha.